If you don't know me, my name's Ian, and uh, I'm going to be continuing our series, The Greater Story, this afternoon, which is uh, a little journey through some of the parables of Jesus. Now, guys, you know I love you today that I'm here, because this is a huge sporting weekend. Johnny's already alluded to the Six Nations, Ireland Wales on right now. We're about eight minutes away from Liverpool versus Man City, possibly the biggest game of the season so far in the Premier League. We've got Super Bowl coverage. It's already starting. That's tonight. Wah! You know I love you that I'm here. Uh, I'm so excited to be here, actually. The parables, I've been really enjoying just digging into them myself. I hope you have. I hope it's been really beneficial to you. And uh, you've enjoyed hearing these stories that Jesus told to help us see something of the kingdom of God and uh, who we are and who God is, this king who has come to rule and reign. So this afternoon, we're looking at Matthew 13, where Jesus helps us to see through one long parable and two short parables that he has planted us for the kingdom of God. Wherever you are right now, whatever your job is, whatever relationships you have, whatever it is that you're doing, wherever it is that you live, Jesus himself, the Son of Man, has planted you in that place for the kingdom of God. So we're going to hear from Hannah Millard, who is one of our students. She's going to introduce herself in just a second on video, and then she's going to read the text for us. I'm Hannah. I'm a first-year student at the Uni of Glasgow. And I'm just going to read from Matthew 13, 24 to 40. So that's a parable of the weeds and then the parable of the mustard seed and yeast. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you grow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it to my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So it was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. The disciples came to him and said, Explain to us a parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. 
the weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the burning furnace, blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I'm just going to pray for Phil, who's going to come and speak to us about these passages. Thank you, God, for Phil and the wisdom that he brings and the fun that he brings as well. I pray that you would use every word that he says to cut through to our hearts and transform our minds. And just let your power come in today and let your presence be with us tangibly as we listen to Phil speak. Amen. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm a- uh, so, over to Phil. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that was my fault. I had that uh, down in the original rotor. But it's all changed, and here I am. I'm no Phil, but I'm here. And uh, <laughs> sorry about that, but um, I'm sure God still heard those prayers. So thank you so much, Hannah. Beautifully read. Now, we talk about planting churches, and that's right. We should talk about planting churches, but let's be really clear. Jesus says here that it is not churches that are planted but it is people. And so when we plant churches, what we're really doing is people are being planted into particular places and times and seasons to then come and reveal the kingdom of God through being planted in that place. And we, put, we pray that when people are planted, and by the way, you'll find out that is all of us, all of us have been planted in some way. When people are planted, the kingdom of God is revealed. But it's not only us, it's not only the people of God who, is, who are planted. There is another sower, not just Jesus, but there is someone who is planting other seeds, weeds, to grow up in response to the wheat, to the fruitful crop. And this crop that is planted right next to the fruitful crop is poisonous weeds. And it is the enemy who is planting them, Satan. And actually, what Jesus is talking about here is a particular type of weed, a weed called darnel. And darnel looked almost identical to wheat until just before harvest time, when the wheat would form ears and they would develop, and you would soon see that there is a difference between the two. But before that, you couldn't see. And so to try and take out the weeds in amongst the crop was, was going to be impossible. So Jesus wisely says, no, we shouldn't do that. And this was actually a real thing. So written into Roman law was this uh, was, was, um, punishment uh, for anyone who did this crime. Because people uh, would go to their enemy's fields with seeds of darnel and sow them into their fields so that they would get this crop of darnel coming up in beside their wheat. Now, this wise master, Jesus, says, don't do that. Don't pull up these weeds early on. Just let them grow next to the crop. 
Because if you do that, you will find that with all of the roots of the darnel in down beside the wheat, which are stronger than the roots of the wheat, and wrap themselves around the wheat, you'll end up pulling out the wheat as well. In God's sovereign love, he did not give up on the world. He's being patient. And he's patient through us as well. It could seem like the right thing to do. Oh, we've got opposition. We've got people around us who we think, oh, no, we, 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 can't, we don't want these people. They're, they're stopping us. They're stopping us from the things that we want to do. We, we need to get rid of them. Let, let's all just segregate, remove ourselves from the world, which is the field, and separate ourselves out from the darnel, out from the weeds, the poison, and be on our own. Wouldn't that be lovely? And we could just have a, a little Christian party all the time. It'd be great. Don't have to bother with all that anymore. But that's not what Jesus says to do. In the same way that God could not help but come and rescue us because of his great love for us, we too are to remain until Jesus returns. God is being patient so that more might be saved. And he's saying to us, be patient too. Stay. Stay in the world. Stay next to the darnel. Stay next to the weeds. Stay next to the poisonous, difficult things until I return. Because I'm being patient with these people. Let my love shine through you. Columba and the first missionaries to Scotland in the 6th century, they formed mission hubs on the outskirts of areas that they wanted to go to with the gospel. And they would spend two or three months praying, preparing, getting ready, coaching one another, getting ready to bring this good news to places in Scotland that had never heard it before. And then they would go. They would go and live there. They would go and live in amongst the people. And then they would stay there until someone came to faith. They just keep going, keep loving people, keep sharing the message. A couple of generations later, however, the focus that they had on mission and preparation and prayer in that two or three months became, that time together became the goal rather than just the preparation period. And monasteries were set up where monks, instead of coming here on mission, were just remaining inside walls, segregating themselves, hiding away in buildings, hoping somehow that people would come to know Jesus without them going. We are called to go to the world and remain in the world until Jesus returns and calls us home. That's what we have been praying for, isn't it? in our Grace Communities. Last week, this week in Grace Communities, uh, our theme was mission. Uh, once every four weeks, we talk about mission explicitly, but we're always really thinking about being on mission together, and what does that look like? And we've been praying this week about what it means for us to be on mission. And that really is at the heartbeat, at the center of our vision for the church. Since um, moving from Poole, that's been the vision for Lindsay and I for those who have joined on the leadership team, ministry leads team. It's uh, the heart of those who are leading your grace communities. It's what we want. And actually, I look back at our vision night where we invited people to think about joining 
the team at the time before we'd had any public meetings. It was in November 2017, and I just looked out, what did I preach that night? What did I say? <laughs> Here's word for word what I said. The whole structure of our gatherings at Glasgow Grace will be intentionally set up to release and empower people to go with his love. We're going to keep things deliberately simple because we realize people are increasingly time poor. We won't be running a Glasgow Grace knitting club or a Glasgow Grace cycling club. Our focus together will be Sundays and one midweek group called Grace Communities. And then these meetings will very deliberately be about equipping one another to be on mission with God's love in the places, places God has placed us. How do you think we're doing at that in our own lives? Okay, I get it. COVID probably hasn't helped. But I don't think we have given mission and our call to go the priority that we should have all the time. I don't think our language has always portrayed that in the way that we would like it to. I don't think our meetings always portray that. I've been convicted this week that we need to return to that vision. Not focused on equipping, not being focused enough on equipping one another to be missionaries like we set out to do. I need this message as much as anyone. So I'm, I'm not standing here and saying, come on, guys. I'm standing here and saying, look, I've got this wrong. I've, I've, let, I've let myself slide away from that passion and heart that God's called us to. First, when I first arrived back from the South Coast, um, and well, not just me, Lindsay and Annabelle as well. And we would go around, we'd go around praying around the city, told people about Jesus. We'd pray for people. In 2017, uh, I went out with a friend um, to a place called Bailiston in the East End, and we ended up in a Ladbrokes, chatting to a guy, tried to talk to him about Jesus, he wasn't having any of it. I remember we uh, moved on on the high street, started then talking to this lady, great chat but didn't want to take it any further. Then uh, my mate said, look, I, I think God's calling us to go uh, down this street over here. I said, all right, I just, just get a sense we're supposed to go down there. All right, let's do it. What's the harm? And so we, we headed down this street, and we saw this guy limping along with his dog. And uh, we said, okay, well, let's go and try and get a chat with him. Start talking to him and uh, find out a bit about his background, what's going on at home, we ask if we can pray about that. And then we also say, look, can we pray for your limp? I noticed that he was limping. I said, yeah, sure. So we prayed for these things and prayed for the limp. The guy then started running, demonstrating that God had healed him. And I'm telling you that story not because I want you to be like, wow, look at that. I'm telling you that story because that's the kind of thing that we should be making sure we have time to do. And I'm not sure that we've always lived our lives making sure that there's time for these kind of encounters. We are on mission. If we had all been called to go to India together on mission, a friend of mine asked us, a few of us this question recently. 
What would you do? Who would you hang around with? What would you prioritize? Well, let's ask yourselves the same questions here because God has placed us here. God has planted you here. You're on mission. In John 17, Jesus prayed for his followers as the cross loomed. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Do you believe that Jesus prayed that for you? He did. That you wouldn't be taken out of the world. That you'd be placed exactly where you are now. As we go, we must pray and be ready for the enemy's schemes. In places like Eritrea, the enemy doesn't need to be subtle with his tactics. He plants people to influence government who then ban churches, and then he places people, uh, or churches that aren't state legislated. He then places people to be the telltale. Hey, you see that house church meeting over there? Go and tell a government official about that. Puts it in their heart to do that. Puts it in the hearts of people to, to burn down people's houses who have been having meetings and talking about Jesus. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty obvious tactics, isn't it? But I think we in Scotland are in just as fierce a spiritual battle. It's just the battleground that we're being, it's being fought on is different ground. And we need to wake up to it. It's not the battlegrounds of prison cells where Christians are being tortured. It's not the battlegrounds of public squares where Christians are being executed. But it is on the, the battlegrounds of sofas, of good food, of holidays, and the keeping of our reputations. That's the truth. It's comfort. Those aren't options for most Christians in places like Muslim-majority uh, countries. They have little, and they are shamed much as soon as they put their faith in Jesus. We have a choice. Will we listen to the enemy who says, truth is just relative anyway, so why even bother? And, you know, just stick with the comforts of respectability. Let's just keep our Christian faith to us. Let's just do that because that's so much more comfortable. That's so much more easy. Let's just do our Sunday thing and maybe turn up to the odd grace community. Maybe we'll hang out with some people in church sometimes, but when we do that, we're just going to watch Netflix or play a game or eat some Ben and Jerry's, get a bottle of Shiraz. If that's all we're doing, I'm done. <laughs> Guys, we we have got to give our all to this. This is all for Jesus, or it's nothing at all. We need to wake up. Have you been planted? You have been planted. But where have you been planted? Where is it that God has put you? And what can you do today?
tomorrow, this week, that will just be the next step in helping you to be on mission. Naomi Bromley uh, shared a prophetic word at our Southside Grace community on Thursday night, and I think it's just worth sharing uh, this afternoon. She saw a picture of someone stepping out of their house, and um, they were wearing the spiritual armor of God. But they were pretty petrified because all these people came out of their houses and they were kind of crowding around and pointing and uh, slagging them off and just giving them a whole load of abuse, spitting at them, all, all sorts of things. And so they were scared. But then in this picture that she had, God revealed that there was this uh, huge army of angels behind this person with the armor of God on. Reminded them that they had the armor of God on and gave them the confidence that they needed. You know what? I needed to hear that because sometimes this is scary, isn't it? I've been thinking about that since. Like, ah, yeah, I need to know that the kingdom of heaven is behind me when I go. We need to go into the world and see darkness pushed back for the kingdom of God. One point of caution here about Darnell is, is we've got to be careful not to overdo the analogy, okay? So Darnell can't be changed, of course. Um, it, is, it is not suddenly going to turn into wheat, but that is not true uh, of the world and of people in the world. So, for instance, take, take Peter, disciple with loads of enthusiasm, but clearly doesn't get it to begin with. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. This, this guy was ordinary Darnell, but he went on to be the apostolic foundation for the church. So we don't want to be so black and white with this that suddenly we think that, oh, well, it's not possible that that person's going to come to faith or that person. No, no. God is being patient. And we have an opportunity to bring the gospel to these people. We know that the vision God has given us to reach 1.2 million people cannot be done unless ordinary Christians with ordinary jobs who live in ordinary places have faith to believe what God has said about planting us. Not just pastor types, not just a worship band, not just some the people who put stuff together on Sundays, but ordinary believers equipped to advance the kingdom of God, you. So if God's going to do this, it is all of us who need to grab hold of this, to understand this. And that's where the mustard seed parable comes in. Because you might be thinking, that's not me. I'm not that bold person who's going to step out and, and go for it. Little old me, no way. I'm no Columba. I'm not an out there kind of person. Does your faith feel minute and feeble compared to the world you have been planted in? And getting caught up in spiritual battles on a, a cosmic scale just seems far too much for you to consider being a part of. Well, Jesus helps us to see why our puny place... <laughs> Our puny faith is the very best place to start. The mustard seed wasn't the very smallest seed. 
But it was used in the first century in Palestine to explain or to, as a, as a kind of phrase for the small things. The mustard seed turns out to grow into the largest of garden shrubs. Actually, doesn't really grow to be a tree, which is interesting because Jesus says it is a tree in verse 32. Why would he do that if it's not really a tree? It's a bush. Why, why, why would you do that, Jesus? Well, when you Google, and even when you Google mustard tree, you get pictures of a relatively small seed. You've probably all seen it in someone's hands. And then right next to it is this like giant oak tree. Well, a mustard uh, seed does not grow into that. That is an oak tree. <laughs> it's different. So why is, what's Jesus saying here? Well, actually, those people, I think, would be right who do that, who have this little picture of a mustard seed and right next to a big oak tree, because I think what Jesus is driving at here is that although you've got the small things, the small beginnings, this mustard seed, it does grow into a great big tree. There's a supernatural something going on here in the kingdom of God, and that's what Jesus is trying to say to us. He's, he's drawing on images, actually, from Ezekiel and Daniel that describe kingdoms like great trees. Listen to this. Ezekiel 17, 23 says, On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. I will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. If you feel unable right now, that is good. Why do I say that? I say that because small and humble, not belief in your own ability, is the place to start a faith adventure. It's the place to see the kingdom of God break out. There's an author and a pastor called Michael Green. And he did a little bit of research in his book, Evangelism in the Early Church, to see who did the evangelization, who, who spread the gospel, who was it that, that caused lots of people to come to faith in those early days? Was it Paul and Peter and the other apostles? Was it them? Were they the ones that, that caused it? Well, yes, yeah, certainly they, they had a big influence, but you know what? In terms of actual conversions, they think, this is obviously an estimate, but they think from what they know from history that 80% of it was done by people you would never have heard of. Ordinary people. In other words, people like you and me who hear a message and then go, Tell our friends. Tell the local newsagent cashier. Tell the lollipop lady. Tell the people at the school gate. You don't even have kids. Tell whoever you can tell. Where the real explosion of power of the Holy Spirit falling upon God's people is ca causes the kingdom to grow. And it's not just in the content that the leaders produce. It is the content that comes out of mouths of people like you, like me and you, ordinary people who feel unable. And it is that multiplying faith that grows something so big and healthy with all of its foliage that Jesus is portraying when he says the birds will come and shelter in its branches. Again, if we look to the words in Ezekiel and Daniel, we're seeing that Jesus is pointing back. They're deliberately using this image of a tree to help us to see that the nations, the tribes, the people groups of the world will shelter in the kingdom of God. All the birds of the sky nested in its bows, 
All the animals of the wild gave birth under its branches. All the great nations lived in its shade. That's Ezekiel 31 verse 6. Jesus is saying to the disciples, and he says to us today, look, I really am planting you, everyday people, for the kingdom of God to reach the nations. Dream big, everyone, because Jesus says that birds, nations, will come and find shade in the kingdom of God that grows through you. He wasn't just making these guys some kind of rabbinical disciples where typically one or two might continue on with his teaching and the rest go back to their normal jobs. He was doing so much more than that. And he isn't just saying to you, Christian, who goes to church on Sundays and has a nice life, maybe one or two of us become pastors or missionaries, That should just be the norm. He's not saying that. He's saying, I'm planting all of you in the world as the instrument that I will use to see every tribe and tongue and nation brought into the kingdom of God. That every people group on earth would come and find refuge in his rule and reign. Will you receive this message with your tiny faith. If you do, you can become a shelter for the people of Glasgow, of Rutherglen, of Lanark, of Kirkintillich, of Mulgai, of Kilmacombe and Loch Winnick, of Clyde Bank, of Renfrew, of Bearsden, of Lindsay, of Shawlands, of the West End, of Broomhill, of Easterhouse, of Germany, of Syria, of China, wherever God is calling you, you, the one who feels that this is all a bit much for you and that you really are out of your depth. You who uh, are like Dave, the supermarket shelf stacker, or like Louise, the accountant. God wants to use you to be a refuge for the nations. Do you believe it's you? And then this last one, finally, the yeast. What's that about? Well, the person making this bread, first of all, is making a huge batch. I mean, it's massive. 60 pounds of flour, that's more than 27 kilograms of flour. And that apparently can make enough bread for about 100 people. Yet he needs just a tiny amount of yeast. Or she, sorry, needs just a tiny amount of yeast to bake all that bread. Listen. There are about 100 of us at the moment, and that might seem like a small number when you think about the 1.2 million people in greater Glasgow. But when the kingdom of God is doing multiplying work, it becomes more than possible. What Jesus is saying here is that the whole dough, this massive dough, can be infiltrated so quickly when the kingdom of God is at work. I read about a bunch of ordinary people in Ethiopia this week, from a handful of people to 20 groups formed, possibly about the same size as our grace communities in the first year, a little bit smaller maybe, to 200 groups in the second year, and then within five years, sorry, within a few years, five groups of about 10 people 
were being formed every single day in Ethiopia. <laughs> that's, I think that's what Jesus means <laughs> when he's talking here about this small amount of yeast that spreads through the whole dough. We are starting to talk about our grace communities as being groups that are planted because we need to get it in our minds and in our hearts that we are a multiplying people, every single one of us. And God is more than capable to plant gospel-believing communities in every part of this city for His glory in Glasgow's good. When we, if we believe Jesus at His word, that can happen. It's happened before in Scotland. It's happening around the world right now in parts of China, in places in the, some parts of the Middle East, even in places like Syria, it's happening. And among Syrian people who are refugees, it's extraordinary. It can happen again here. Do you believe that you could be a part of that? Although it can be tough, and the enemy is scheming, and we must be aware of that. Pray against it. God is saying to you, I have planted you here now with all these battles for a reason. And I can take your mustard seed of faith and I can multiply it as a blessing to the nations. Will you give him your faith? One day, that good desire in us to be with God's people forever. That will happen because it says at the end of the parable of the weeds that Jesus and his angels will separate us out and we'll go home to be with him forever. But right now we're supposed to be here. And it is out of God's patience and love that we are. Here are two things we can all do this week to get this going. Two things. One, spend half an hour more than you already do each day praying. Praying that God would use you for the kingdom where he has planted you. Now, for some of us, that's going to be zero. I don't pray for that every day. Okay, half an hour every day. Come on, you can do it. For some of you, you're, you're already praying for that for an hour, two hours a day, you're, you're praying for revival. I know there are a few of you who are. Great. Could you add half an hour? Second thing is this. Go on a prayer walk around your area and even ask God, would he give you opportunities to say something, to have a connection with someone that leads to a gospel conversation? So go around, even just once this week, half hour, an hour, praying, asking God, would he make connections for you in the area for his kingdom? Okay, two challenges. We'll see how you get on. All right, Naomi and uh, Timmy are going to come on up, lead us in worship, and pray for us as you do. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much that this is not about our ability. <laughs> oh, Lord, what a glorious reminder again that, Father, we are incapable, but 
you can use just even a, a tiny bit of faith that we have to go and, and spread this good news around the world. We, we, we just want to connect with one friend or one family member and, and feel that that's out of our reach. But Lord, we know that by the power of the kingdom, with little steps of faith, incremental steps of faith, God, you take that and you multiply it and you do extraordinary things. Lord, we pray that you would infiltrate Glasgow with Christians, people who love you, Jesus, people who right now would despise you or, or not go anywhere near you, not go near anything related to you. But God, we pray that you would work in their hearts, you prepare their hearts, and you prepare uh, us to, to be workers, to go out and harvest this wonderful gospel uh, truths that are being planted in people's hearts. Lord, would you help us uh, to be bold, to go? Would you reinvigorate us with this vision to go to this wonderful city? We love you, God. Come do that, we pray in Jesus' name.